Hello, Instagram. Hello, Instagram and Almost Facebook. Almost Facebook. That's the sequel to Almost Famous. Hello, Almost Facebook. Facebook. Hello, Facebook. Hello, everybody. Um, half hour late. Half hour late. We're doing well. <laughs> That's great. Hey, why don't we pray? Let's do that. Father God, thanks for bringing us together and giving us the opportunity to to use this technology to uh, talk about your word and share it with people that, that they might be able to understand uh, how to connect to your reality, what actually is, to their experience of everyday life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, we missed our podcast on Friday. We did. Yeah, that was a not quite epic fail. Whoops. It was, a, um, it was a moderate fail. But in, in doing so, because usually when we do our podcast on Friday, I'll ask you what the sermon title is going to be. And um, so I can post that. And so I obviously didn't know what it was going to be. So I walk in Sunday and I see it. And I'm immediately like, um, why didn't we play The Who? <laughs> right? <laughs> it, was, uh, it was on my mind. It was I mean, one of those things. Not exactly. Uh, it was in my head. Right. Well, it was in my head then the rest of the day. And I'm like, this is totally irrelevant to what we talked about. But it's a catchy <laughs> tune. So, and then I just started thinking of CSI. You could have used it as a lead-in for the podcast here. You know, I thought about that. that for bumper music as we were starting. Then I wanted to watch CSI. There you go. Yeah, that's another good one. Get that, that was the get that uh, theme song. Is that the original CSI one? I don't remember. There are so many. There's like, what is it? There's 17. The only one I ever really watched was Miami. 17 CSI versions. Are now, they still I on? I don't know. I don't have TV anymore. I just, not real TV. I have. Oh, just well, so do stuff, I. So. But my favorite thing to do now is watch old episodes of Law and Order. That was Shelly's favorite show back in the day when it first it's came still out. Still on. Still it's kicking. Mariska Hargate. She's still with it. She is. Man. She's kicking some butt. She's uh, like 70 now, right? No. <laughs> I always forget who her mother was. I don't know if I knew who her mother oh, was. Oh, she's really famous. It was, was... Mrs. Hargate, wasn't it? <laughs> no. That's going to bother me. Talk about um, the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> talk about the Bible. It's a really that, famous That person. is actually why we have the podcast and not to talk about Law and Order, CSI, <laughs> or <laughs> the Who. So, there we have it. Jane Mansfield. That's her mother. That's her mother? Yes. Get out. It seems like too big an age gap. But it's Hollywood, so who knows? I okay. I feel better now. <laughs> well, I'm glad that... Can we I'm, tie in Law and Order? I'm glad or that you Hargitay feel better now that you've established what the what, relationship who, who, was. Who Jane Mansfield Right, yeah, because that, that's really important. You know, you can... I, I was just listening to Al Mohler's uh, podcast this morning before I came in and uh, dealing with... Uh, gender identity, race identity, and brought up the Cheryl Dolezal story. And there's the um, man. I forgot all about that. Well, it came up because uh, there's a professor who uh, has now confessed that for like 30 years, her entire career, she has claimed a black identity, but she's actually a white Jewish blonde girl from Kansas City when she was growing up. Did she just wear a lot of makeup or what? I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> so they were talking about okay. the, the struggles that so. That's not okay for you to right. choose to identify as oh. that race, whereas it's celebrated for Bruce Jenner to identify as Caitlyn Jenner and you know to appropriate that that thing. And so that's just the this constant upheaval that we have through this moral and sexual revolution that we've been seeing. So as this is all going on. Um, it, the question does center on identity. And we talk mm-hmm. about identity politics 
and, and intersectionality and you know how many oppressed right people now. groups can you have in your background so that you can gain points for each one of these mm-hmm. which sounds like I'm speaking derisively of it and that's mostly because I am <clears throat> but as we're um, as we're looking at Acts 19 that same issue is there the issue of identity and who you actually are as opposed to who you claim to be mm. and so when we <clears throat> whether we're talking about Mariska Hargitay and Jane Mansfield. That'll come up in a trivia night. We're talking, I'll be waiting. <laughs> um, whether we're talking about uh, some false prophets or exorcists, as we have in this chapter, who are claiming uh, to represent Christ, to represent Paul, and uh, end up paying the price for that. Identity actually does matter, not who you want to be or who you claim to be, but who you actually are. And, and not for the same reason as we might see in critical theory, but the, the reality of life, much as we might not like it, is it really is all about who you know. And mm. we were, I was just having this conversation about my, with my wife about another situation related to employment and mm. that, well, you know, this person, well, they were talking about my son he only got that job because he knew somebody and we're like well yeah <laughs> but he only kept the job because he's doing right. the job right so you know your success is based on you but isn't that really the truth with virtually everybody you know when you that, that's the whole reason linkedin exists that is what linkedin is, is so that you can network and know people but that's always been true in every situation it's not that you know having connections doesn't undo the need for ability for hard work Mm -hmm. but having connections is how you get anywhere you're trying to go you know that why is why does one freakishly gifted athlete get an opportunity to play pro sports and another freakishly gifted athlete who's willing to work just as hard doesn't get that opportunity because they're not in the right circles they don't go to the right schools they don't have the right connections they play for a coach that doesn't promote them the same as another coach why does one gifted leader end up you know winning a Senate seat and another never gets noticed beyond their, their local community. It's about who you know and the connections that you have. That's a truth that we really can't escape. We can debate whether that's good or bad, but it is reality. It's probably and, both. And we can't... It, well, I think that's <laughs> true with most things right. in, in this fallen world. There is a, there's a dark cloud to every silver lining you know, as you look at things. <clears throat> but as we're looking at this particular passage, that idea of who you are is central to it mm-hmm. and so we see uh, in acts 19 the first half of acts 19 that that uh, after paul apollos leaves ephesus and goes to corinth it goes to achaia and ends up in corinth uh, paul is traveling and he comes back around the other side through the interior and gets back to ephesus uh, where he has already been but now he's going to spend some more quality time there and so when he gets there, he finds some disciples, asks them if they receive the Holy Spirit. Now, that seems to me like probably a loaded question because we don't see him ask that regularly. He encounters people, he doesn't ask them if they've received the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But these people apparently claim to be believers. They claim to be following uh, Christ or to know of Christ and, and be following the way. <clears throat> and I think it's a safe thing to... Uh, to surmise here 
is that they must not have been demonstrating any particular signs of the Holy Spirit transforming their lives. They must not have been reflecting Christ and reflecting a life that had been changed in a way that was observable or he wouldn't have needed to ask. Right. Right. So when he asks this, there's a reason that he's asking it. Having not presumably noticed signs or or the power of the Holy Spirit moving in them, uh, perhaps he sees in them a, a, a rigid sort of, you know, they've repented and now they're rigidly uh, living in, in accordance with the law as opposed to in the vibrance and joy that, that the church uh, is demonstrating throughout this book. Um, so he asks them, and they don't even know that the Holy Spirit exists. So no. So yeah, that's, that's <laughs> going to be a no. Um, and the reason that they don't is because they haven't received Christ personally. So mm-hmm. they, they understand that Jesus is the Christ, apparently. Whether that means they came from another area to Ephesus, whether they uh, received the gospel message or, or, or the partial gospel message that Apollos was preaching earlier in Ephesus before he was set straight, they repented of their sin. They turned toward God and to pursue righteousness. They identified with John's baptism, but they had not been identified with Christ in the church. Paul explains what, what's going on, fills them in on the fullness of the gospel, much like Priscilla and Aquila did with Apollos. They receive Christ, are baptized. Paul lays his hands on them, conferring the uh, apostolic authority, so to speak, the, the approval of the church. And we see uh, a variety of things like that throughout early church history. Well, throughout church history, uh, in free church America, we don't see that nearly as much. But we see the, the, the laying on of hands saying, yes, we are approving you as, as being a part of this. And in this, the authority that, uh, that the church then holds results in the Holy Spirit filling them in a unique way that is unique to this story and, and really one or, or two others where uh, they suddenly begin to speak in tongues and prophesy. Uh, that is not normative, uh, but the, the impact of the Holy Spirit in changing your power to live a life pleasing to God is normative. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, he... Uh, he meets with them, he, he baptizes them, uh, and the whole thing hinges on not just, not just going to church or repenting or you know, choosing to live according to the law, uh, but on the person of Jesus Christ. So then Paul goes to the synagogue and he speaks there boldly for three months. Uh, and when eventually some of the folks become obstinate and they refuse to believe and publicly malign the way, Paul ditches the synagogue, takes the disciples with him, those who are there who had believed, and then he goes to the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This is verse 9 of Acts 19. Uh, and they have discussions daily as he continues this reasoning uh, from the scriptures, this teaching and educating as they go through. This lasts for two years, uh, and, and essentially because of this, now I think that's a pretty big step to say, not just because of this. He's already preached the gospel, so there are already Christians here. Priscilla and Aquila have been here working 
since he dropped them there previously on this trip, which who knows how many months that's mm-hmm. been. Um, Apollos had been there preaching. Presumably uh, those who knew the, the first part of the gospel, the repentance part from him, uh, would have responded well in whatever intervening time between when he got it and when he left. Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly this is not the only place that the gospel is being spoken. But in this time, uh, Paul's effectiveness combined with the rest who are spreading the good news uh, results in virtually everybody in the area, um, in all of the province of Asia, which is uh, modern-day Turkey. <clears throat> so we see that whole area flooded with the gospel. That's a pretty big deal when you think about it. Just the, the person of Christ in the lives of these people because they recognize the reality of God as opposed to all of the things that they had um, been following before all the philosophies all the false gods all the cultural norms all that sort of stuff um it 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 changes everything about them in fact we're going to see that uh come up here in the in the next piece excuse me not the next piece but jumping down to verse 17 um after this this violent incident that we'll get to in a minute happens um the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. And what happens is this mass repentance, this, this big uh, shift. They recognize that, uh, that the God of the Bible and, and Jesus as Christ are, um, are not just, it's not like we've portrayed a lot of times now. Jesus is loving and gentle and you know, he's got in blue jeans and, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus loves little children and that's all great. All of which, maybe not the blue jeans part, but but all of the gentleness of Jesus is, is true. It's just partial. And so these guys are not struck by the kindness of God. They're struck by, oh, shoot, if we don't get something right, we're in trouble because there's a power here right. that we haven't haven't grasped before. And, and so they publicly repent. Verse 18, many of those who believe now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. Now, why are they practicing sorcery? Either power or wealth, right? That's, that's They're gaining from it. So they're practicing sorcery, and these are apparently prominent enough, like professional sorcerers, not like, you know, the the good witch on Hallmark Channel or something. You're not talking about people who are, are doing this at home, right. but... but presumably doing it for money because they have a lot invested in it. It says they brought their scrolls scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachma. The uh, footnote in the NIV says a drachma was a silver coin worth about a day's wages. So Hmm. that's, you're not talking about $50,000. You're talking about 50,000 days wages. Mm -hmm. That's a huge chunk of money burning in the street. Right voluntarily next time we'll talk about burning in the street involuntarily but um that that mass repentance that huge radical transformation that comes from from encountering the person of christ as he is not as i would choose to design him resulted in them being struck with fear much like isaiah when he encounters god in isaiah 6 uh, or anytime anybody encounters god anywhere in scripture and Immediate radical repentance that 
that not only changes my thinking, but it changes my thinking in such a way that it changes the direction of my life. So now they're not just saying, oh, I shouldn't do sorcery anymore. They're saying all of this that I invested, it does not matter. This is all garbage. It's got to go. And, and they destroy it. I wonder sometimes as I see stories like this in the New Testament, what would have happened in Israel if, uh, if God's people back then when they repented, had destroyed all of the idols instead of some of the idols, instead of just, you know, saying, oh, we're not going to do that anymore. But we're going to still keep the idols around. Or, you know, like Jacob with uh, with his wives, and they're bringing their father's idols with them. Right. How much influence that dragged them down and drags the church down today happens because we are... We're willing to say the confessions. We're right. willing to, to say the words and, and apologize, but not to eradicate from our life the root of that poison plant. To, to say, okay, well, you know, I, I struggle with uh, worldly thinking, but I keep watching the same television shows, listening to the same music, all these things that, that feed into that. I still focus my attention on politics as the answer to everything. The, the Savior does not arrive on Air Force One. That's not how any of this works. But when we continue to think in terms of that, we're giving in to worldly thinking. And until we take the steps to root that stuff out of our mind, then our repentance really only goes so far. It's, it's a confession. We maybe say it. We maybe get it. But we don't choose it. We don't cherish it. And so if these sorcerers had said, we're not going to do sorcery anymore, but you know, I spent so much money on this library, I, I, I really can't get rid of it. Let's just keep it around. Right. Or even, I'm going to sell it to somebody well, else. Well, yeah. They're, they're not doing that. We will not participate in evil. It's done. And that happens because they just witnessed what happened prior to this res, re, surrounding the person of Christ. So these itinerant preacher exorcist types which reminds me a lot of the televangelists and, and, mm -hmm. and folks that, uh, you know, the, the Catholic priests that get a TV show or whatever that, that are focused on exorcism. What was that guy? He used to have a show, and uh, I remember watching it when I was a kid. It, it, would, it would just come on randomly, I feel like. And he would just, like, touch people's heads, and they would mm -hmm. fall over. Who was that guy? Several. Benny Hinn did that Maybe. a lot. He had dark um, hair. That's all I remember. Yeah, there are, but, there are a lot kind of... And there were huge, huge audiences, huge crowds there. Right. And people would just come up in the front and he would just like push them back and they would fall. Yeah. And, and you know, so you're seeing that right. dynamic of power. Right. But unless you actually have the relationship well, that gives the power... Right. Then you're, then you're at best fake you know right let me say at best limited at maybe at worst fake and at best limited where perhaps there is a certain amount of power that that can come in various settings earthly power or, right. or power of uh of persuasion or, or anything else but what happens here is these guys go around and they try to invoke the name of christ and they don't even like say pretend that they are personally connected to Jesus. They don't get it quite that much. They say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, mm. I command you to leave. And so they're not even making their own personal connection. Right. Maybe they don't realize that, but they're, but they're not. And so yeah. they, they finally, at, at one point, encounter a man with a demon who calls them on it. And, and maybe they've had some success. Maybe their trickery has worked and the demons you know, have departed. Uh, 
we see that in any number of things where mediums mm-hmm. will, will cast out spirits of different kinds. And Jesus said, oh, how can Satan cast out Satan? If that's happening, there's a strategic plan happening on the demonic Strategery. side. Of so the, this demon calls him on and says, I know Jesus. I know Paul. Who the heck are you? Right. And, and then this one man with the demon jumps the seven men and beats them so badly that they run out of the house naked and bleeding, which made all of the little kids in church giggle when, when they heard that in Sunday school and walked in as I was reading that passage during church. That. So that was fun. Hilarious. Um, I have a question. <laughs> God has an answer. Hopefully Good. I know what it is. <clears throat> I hope so. Kind of going back to, to the first part of this passage um, when when Paul is like, wait a minute. Uh, I feel like from, from bringing it forward to a today standpoint, because that's what we do. Um, what, it, it is certainly not my place to judge anybody <clears throat> because I'm a terrible person. But um, I feel like Many times Christians get a bad rap for a variety of reasons, but how it's it's sometimes hard to distinguish who is being genuine and who is not, and is that's not for me to decide. But why isn't it? Because do I know what is in there? I I I, I always say things like <clears throat> I well, I know based on people's actions. And that is usually how I how I determine a lot of things in life on how people if they say one thing well are they acting that way, but do I really know what's what's in their heart? Do I really know if they've given themselves to Jesus? And I can say yeah, well if they did they would act this way and they wouldn't act this way. But I'm no better. I screw up all the time. Sure. So how do you know if someone is being genuine? If if they really do have the Holy Spirit and if they really do identify with Christ in that way, even if they're not necessarily acting that way? That's a really good question. I think the question itself um, in how we approach it tends to conflate a number of issues. And like you had a a couple of things in there, um, discerning or, or judging whether someone is genuine and then also discerning or judging whether they're saved, whether they have the Holy Spirit. And those are really two different things um, because there are aspects that we can know, that we can and should use discernment and good judgment about. Um, and then there are things that are beyond our pay grade, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think we have to be very careful in the church, and I see this a lot uh, among Christians, not to get sucked in to the world's standards of judging or not judging. Because the world tends to throw around scriptures and quote Jesus saying, don't judge. But they don't know what they're talking about. They haven't read it. They've heard it, but they haven't read it. They haven't read it in context, and they haven't read the rest of what he says. Because the same Jesus who says that, just almost the same paragraph afterwards, says to judge rightly. Mm. So, which is it? Don't judge or judge rightly? Well, it's two different things that he's talking about. So, I'm not, I do not sit in the seat of the judge. Right. I'm not on the bench. You answer to God, you don't answer to me. However, as a brother or sister in Christ, we have a relationship that compels us to judge. We need to know 
And, and just a simple, maybe overly simple example is when, when you have two kids, two siblings growing up in the same house and somebody isn't doing right, what's the other one do? They're going to go run into my mom, you know. Jeffy's pushing me, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, repressed memories are uh, coming back. <laughs> yeah, I was the older brother, so sure. I might have been switching names. Right. <laughs> but, you know, but you're going to have that kind of stuff. Identity's been And so as parents, we know that it's important for our kids to tell us, right. you know, what when when a sibling is, you know, uh, you know, Mom, Heidi's playing with matches, which is hilarious because my sister is deathly afraid of candles and matches. I got her a candle by so, mistake. So, no, I think it's awesome. I <laughs> think that's great. She needs to expand her horizons. <laughs> but uh, she has no reason to be. It's irrational. But that, anyway, that's not, it's different. Um, but it's necessary for us to, you know, as we would say as kids, rat out our brother and sister when they're doing wrong. But a good parent also knows the difference between that and being a tattletale. When you're coming and you're tattling right. about pointless well, so things, ask, right. the, there is a difference. Both things can look the same. They, they're both um, reporting something, and they might be reporting something wrong, but there's a lack of, I'm not judging myself as I'm judging them, and I mm. need to be wise about that. At the same time, there's a kind of judgment when, when a, a child comes and rats out their brother or sister because they want to see them get punished. Right. That's different than I'm, I love them they're and doing they're something doing something dangerous, they're right. doing something This whatever. is bad. Right. I don't, I don't want to you know, tell on my brother or sister, but you know, I know this isn't I, right. They're hanging out with right. these kids at, at parties in high school and you know, they're doing bad things. This is going to be bad. It's gonna, they're going to hurt themselves or someone else. That's not because I want them to get busted, right. not like Phineas and Ferb, which is still one of the great television shows. Um, that was like right like oh, after, you gotta, you after get, me. Disney Plus, pick it up. you got to see Phineas and Ferb. I thought it was Nickelodeon. Ferb. Okay. No, it's, it's Disney. <laughs> and, and so as, um, as Phineas and Ferb's sister, Candace, is constantly trying to bust them, mm. it's not because she wants good things for them or she's concerned she wants them to get busted classic we do that a lot Mm -hmm. with other people we 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 even pray god's judgment on people because we want god to stick it to them so they get what's coming to them stick it to demand which is completely forgetting the fact that the only reason we can stand at all is because of god's grace but i think non-christians uh non-believers really want to find those things in christians Yes, and, which and is why non-Christians, here's a judgmental statement for you, <laughs> non-Christians are infinitely more judgmental than Christians. People, and they're judgmental about the judgmentalism. If you want to see judgment, walk into any of the local bars on a Friday night and listen to the conversations about the drunk next to them at the bar, or this person or that person, all these terrible people. I, I hear these conversations all the time. Less now because we're not downtown like we were. But th- there is a constant judgment of everybody else, including the Christians next door, while saying those Christians are so judgmental. The fact of the matter is human beings are judgmental. Well, got- the difference is Christians are the only ones who are recognizing it, saying, right. yeah, you know what, we shouldn't do that. Which is not the same as being licentious and saying, you know, hey, all bets are off, man, do whatever you want. There's no right. rules. You know, that, that is not helpful to society either. And that's not being non-judgmental. 
that's being lax in, in judgment. We're just not having uh, any kind of discernment or, or sense. I guess what's a little frustrating to me, and maybe I'm going a little off topic here, but um, <clears throat> when we're talking about identities and who, who you are, I feel like today a lot of people don't take the time to really know who, who someone is. They just look at what they are on the surface, yeah. whether it's their political views or their religion or whatever, and then they make <clears> these <throat> sweeping generalizations about what they must be right. because of that. I had a... a that's a, huge. Yeah. I had a guy uh, message me on Instagram yesterday, and I used to play music a lot um, in my early 20s, and I would go, I would play up like in Muskegon area a lot. And he was in a band that we often played on the same shows, and I always liked him, and I always liked everybody in that band. And he sent me a message on Instagram yesterday, and he had um, some of my old pins that I used to sell. Cool. He goes, I just found these, and da, 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 da. I'm like, oh, great. So we were talking back and forth for a few minutes, and he's going to be a, a, a teacher and all this stuff. So we were talking for a few minutes, and he goes, do you, do, do you still do music? And I said, well, I mostly, you know, I mess around at home, but I mostly play in my, my church band. Stop talking to me. Mm. Totally. And I'm like, okay. I mean, we weren't friends, friends, but, like, you knew, you've known me for 10 years, sure. and you've never had a problem with me we've taught had several conversations and so the, the minute i bring up that i play music at church just dead air yeah and and assumptions right yeah. and he knows i mean he doesn't know everything about me obviously but he knows enough about me over that time period to know who i am i'm not trying to hide anything but when i bring up that part of myself it's just i i'm sure based on his silence that spoke volumes <laughs> that he now has all these assumptions about me sure and well, and you've experienced that before. I have, so. but not. A, but then you take religion and you go, okay. Well, because she's a Christian, she's also right. this. These are her political views, and these are this, and yeah. these are this, and you just. I was thinking specifically of a an, a mutual friend that we have right, from an right. LGBT lifestyle, who you had a good relationship for years, with, and then when they found out that you were going to church here, made assumptions, mm-hmm. cut you off completely assumed that then you were a hateful bigot or how, you know, I don't know right. how they would say it, but right. that you had particular views about them. Right. And so they cut you off. They judged you because they believed in their labeling and their judgment that you were judging them, which you weren't. Uh, it doesn't mean that you agree with the lifestyle, right. but there is, that, like you said, that's kind of where we are is we see people and we label them, which is why, you know, I've, it, it's been a stance that we've taken, my wife and I, that for the sake of the gospel and the church, it really doesn't matter who we're talking about. We will not put political signs mm-hmm. in, our, in our lawn. Uh, it could be a local election with a good friend. It could be a very because clear people difference. people want to attach a thousand things to that. Right. And, and I'll be happy to discuss my political views with someone, but to put it on a sign... So that you make assumptions, you see this, you label me and put me into this box that that you've already got in your mind that may not be who I am at all. Same thing with denominations. Why are we a non-denominational church? There are some denominations that would be very beneficial for us to to associate with, Mm -hmm. uh, denominations or conferences. Uh, We've been wrestling with one particular conference that uh, the vision fits well, it's uh, the churches are autonomous and so on, but the support would be very beneficial in a lot of ways. However, the moment we associate with a big group of people and people then who have formulated thoughts about someone 
in another state or, mm-hmm. or whatever else. It comes from their, even they from their background right. growing up or, or who knows what. Yeah, it could be something that they heard. They then, because of that label, that association, they're making judgments about us that may not be us at all. So we're I like, think, hey, if you want to know who we are, here's our belief right, statement. I think that's Check the, us out for ourselves. Right. And, and then maybe you hate us for real, but right. at least you'll know. I think that's the issue. And, and even with Paul coming in here and these, these people saying, you know, that uh, they repented and they, but they didn't even know about the Holy Spirit. Right. I think surface things are dangerous surface assumptions are dangerous right. and and well, and that's where judging rightly comes in it's right. not that we don't ever make judgments it's that we don't make irrational judgments based on things that we cannot know we don't make judgments about the inner motives of some we we can't know that we're not right. inside I'm, but I'm, we can judge the actions as you mentioned right. earlier we can look at someone and say well this person is you know, has a record of pedophilia. Right. I, I'm not saying they can't be saved or they're not or they haven't repented, but it would be really foolish for me to hire them as a babysitter for my child. Yes. That's a judgment that I should make. I watched a, I saw a video on TikTok yesterday. <laughs> and I'm going to bring up TikToks every week now. For those listening on audio, I'm shaking my head. <laughs> it was this guy. I'm not saying anything political on here. This is not. No, no. It's a different uh, podcast. Yeah, not doing it. Um, it was this guy, and it was African American guy, and he said, "Man, It'll be our new spinoff, something real controversial, something real." Um, it was this African American guy, and he said, "Man, y'all made me do it." And he he was talking about the fact that people have hated on Trump for four years and just bash him and bash him and bash him. And he thought, he goes, I thought to myself, man, this guy can't be doing everything bad that they're saying. He goes, so I was forced. He goes, I voted for Obama. I voted this. He goes, he goes, I'm a Democrat. He goes, so I was forced because I thought there's no way this guy is this bad. So I was forced to dive deep and do my own research and figure out the truth of everything. And um, I think he's voting for Trump. I don't know. But um, th- that's... But so isn't many that people, where we should be anyway? But it is. But so many people just right. live on the surface and they believe everything they hear. They believe assumptions or they make their own assumptions based on whatever. And that's kind of scary to me. But, yeah. because, but it's scary from my own personal standpoint too because I do that as well. And That's the natural tendency of human beings. And it's but hard. then it we goes to back to, to... Right. So then it goes back to, okay, I guess the bottom line is I have to work to discern my judge, my judgments on, on right. individuals. And it starts with being able to rightly judge ourselves. Right. So, uh, and I, I know we're at the end of our time, we're actually over our time, but I, I wanna kind of circle back to the, the point of Acts 19 in, in all this identity stuff that we're talking about. It really centers on, on the person of Christ, the identity of who he is and my identity in him. It, do I actually, have a personal relationship with Christ or not. And we see that uh, the, the first believers, they're sincere and they repent, but their repentance is without relationship. So mm-hmm. it, it's incomplete. It doesn't go all the way. It, it, they've gotten to church. They've gotten to cleaning up their act. They've gotten to, boy, I really want to do a God thing, uh, but they haven't received Christ. So they haven't been regenerated and received new life through him and the power of the Holy Spirit to live a holy life. So that where they fall short is in the person of Christ. They're not in him. They haven't received him and, and come into that 
personal relationship, um, which is our core reality. There's no substitute for a personal relationship uh, through with God through Jesus Christ. Uh, then we see, secondly, that as Paul's re- reasoning in the synagogue, he's dealing with people who are already religious. They believe in God. They know the scriptures, but they are rejecting Christ. They're not, nope, we're here. We're, we've got our, our box of thought that, that, you know, even though he's reasoning from the scriptures that they accept, showing them what the scriptures say and how this fits. No, nope, la, 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 la. I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to hear any of this. Um, and then they start gossiping. They start maligning the Christ followers. So he goes off and, and we're going to go where, where we'll be received into a, a Gentile house. We're going to uh, have a, a more, in a secular setting, this lecture hall, we're going to go through it. But they had religion without relationship. Mm-hmm. So they were in the act, but they didn't, you know, the first group was sincere, but they didn't get all the way there. This group may be less sincere. They've got their their outer garment of religion, but they haven't showered. They haven't changed. They're, there's nothing that's that's Ew. transformed there. Right. And that's just, it's not good enough. It's insufficient. Right. And then lastly, we see the, the itinerant exorcists there uh, who are speaking the words. They're praying in Jesus' name. They're casting out demons in Jesus' name. And they're invoking the name, but they're they're exercising ritual without relationship. They're they're doing the things. They're saying the right prayers, and, and we say we see this with people. You know, people reciting prayers all the time with, you know, memorizing the Lord's prayer and repeating it as if it's a mantra or or the twenty third Psalm. And we have scriptures that we do at funerals, but we don't connect with the fact that unless the, the deceased and me, unless I have a relationship with Christ, all the scriptures in the world are of no avail. Mm-hmm. I can quote everything. I can be the best theologian in the world and know all the things. But if I don't have that personal relationship with him, I'm still dead in my sin. And so they have ritual without relationship, which is, it's not valid. I'm, I'm claiming an identity that I don't have. I'm flashing a badge that I bought at the dollar store. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not the real thing. And so the demon calls him out on it. And, and it's actually that not only invalid, but it's insulting to God when we go through the, the fakeness, when we mm-hmm. go through the motions. And I would equate that uh, in so many ways to, to the, you know, I've, I've met folks, well-meaning, I'm sure, uh, folks from church backgrounds who will just, I mean, it's the hell they die on. They will absolutely freak out if you ever pray and you don't say the words in Jesus' name, it's not a valid prayer. Well, that's not what we see in Scripture at all. We see the majority of prayers don't end in Jesus' name. However, we always pray in Jesus' name when we are in a relationship with him and we are seeking his will. We are praying on his behalf. I'm not suggesting that you should not mm-hmm. use the words in Jesus' name. But God's still hearing you. But it's right when we get caught up in the ritual right. as if this is the incantation that is necessary for us to unlock God's power, then we've missed the entire purpose of it. We've got ritual without relationship. And and God calls out in, in the Old Testament, he calls out uh, Israel on that. We see it in the New Testament over and over. Paul keeps coming back to it. Really? Circumcision? You don't even get it. You, you've circumcised the flesh, but you need circumcised hearts. You're going to go back to this. You're going to try to go keep the Jewish law. You're, you're trampling the blood of Christ underfoot. It's insulting to God, and you miss it completely. So we do that when we 
take communion lightly. When we, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we go to church and and we don't have a relationship with Christ, but we have communion as if that's going to to somehow make it better. Or we don't repent of our sin. We don't. We don't. You know, we we are in a relationship. We know that there's something not right between us and God, and we don't address that. We don't deal with it. But we still want to play the game. That. God is insulted by that. He doesn't buy it. Baptism without belief is, is it's a sham and, and it's it's really a slap in the face to God. So we want to be we want to be wise and recognize that the only thing that matters is is true faith in Christ, recognizing that God's holy and I'm not. He created me for a relationship with him that that I cannot have because of my sin. My sin separates me from him and I can't fix that with good deeds or religion or, or proper words or wearing the right clothes or, or, or whatever. Those associations can't undo the stain of sin. And, and so all that religiousness doesn't help. So my mind has changed and I want to turn from that, but that's not enough. That can get me out of that sewer that I'm in, but it can't give me life. But Jesus, on the other hand, demonstrating God's love for us while we are still sinners, died and rose again, died in my place, and rose in my place to, to give me the, this new life, this resurrection life, so that I can actually walk in newness of life with his Holy Spirit living in me, empowering me to live a life that pleases God. And when I do that, when that happens, the natural thing, the spiritual, reasonable act of worship is oh my goodness, I've received so much grace. I deserve hell, and he has made me his child instead. How can I do anything else but live a life of obedience and honor for him so that everybody who encounters me sees Christ? I I want to be a witness of this incredible grace so that other wretched sinners like me can be saved from the hell that they're going to and the hell that they're going through. And when we live in the power of that relationship, then it changes our thinking, our actions, and ultimately our perceptions and feelings. Once we, but, but we can't let the feelings drive. Mm-hmm. Feelings will often lie to us. When we hold to the truth of God's word, we learned that previously, that our, our hope and life are, are found in God's promises, not in our perceptions. When we cling to that knowledge, that who we are is in Christ. It's not based on my past. It's not based on what I do now. It's based on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Then everything changes. We will stop there because uh, we're quite over. Quite but, over. <laughs> if you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to leave us a message on Facebook. Send us an email at somethingrealatreallifeonline.org. Rich is going to say the phone number because I always forget it. 269-756-RLCC. Call there and leave a voicemail if you'd like. And we will uh, podcast on Friday and talk about next week's sermon. We won't miss it. Lord willing. Thanks for listening.